you know. If you're tired of the music playing too long, then you need to go back to the church age, right? <laughs> I wrote this down. God is going to do beyond what he has ever done before in your life because of what you hear and do tonight. So we want to make sure that we're writing down what hits you. You don't have to write down everything because you're in an apostolic atmosphere. So everything that's being said is going in you. Everything that's being said is going in you. There may be some, may be some things that really impact you, and that's what you want to write down. And the reason they impact you is because that's what the Lord wants you to meditate on and become that. And as I said earlier, the churches are really confused of how the anointing works and how giving really works. One thing about an apostolic ministry, it's going to bring you into alignment with God's order because so, it's a river that flows from the throne of God. Not four. A river. Four rivers flow from you. But if we get the first river all messed up where it's just splashing off of us, because there's no order in our life, then it's never going to be to where we can have those rivers of water flowing out of our belly. I want to start with Genesis 8.22. We can put that on the screen. It says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. As long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. The Lord gave me this vision a few years ago called the power choice, and it's about seed, time, and harvest. The worst thing we hate is time. We sow a seed, we expect to get it back pretty quick, don't we? But sometimes God will have you wait so he can build character so that you can hold on to that blessing. You've got to have character to hold on to the things of God because they're, they're so holy. The money's holy. The things are holy. And it really puts the fear of the Lord in you when you get something that's beyond you. It keeps you yielded. God gives the ability to grow and multiply in every area of your life through the seed. Through the seed. The time and the harvest. He said the enemy gives the ability to shrink and subtract in every area of life through the seed. And that's why I have these two laws up here. You can sow in the law of sin and death, or you can sow into the law of life and peace. And most Christians sow, sow in both of them until they reach a level of maturity. And when those laws are sowed into a law, is put in place to enforce the seed that was sown. Don't you regret think some things leaving your mouth? Like you wish you could take them back, but they're, they've gone into a law, and that law is going to enforce what was in that seed. And we wonder why things keep coming back to us, coming back to us in, in negative form and, and destructive form. Because we can repent today 
but what we sowed six months ago might show up tomorrow. God doesn't clear that because one thing about the Lord, he uses everything for his good. So everything that comes back, whether negative or positive, is for his good. Amen. We're vessels of his glory. We're vessels of his anointing. So your life began with a seed and everything about your life is, is from that principle. Whether good or bad, there's going to be an outcome. Remember, the seed holds the outcome. We talked about the dove. And was it in sonship this week? About the dove leaving you? Every Christian has the anointing of God in them, but God's not resting on every Christian. Because he won't rest on you until you have his character. And his character is gentle. So think about that. Think about there's a dove on my shoulder all day long, and doves fly away at the least little bit of, because they're so gentle. Every step has to be gentle. Every word has to be gentle. So that principle continues today, to overcome life's problems. You see how the enemy can get to that seed? Once you have sown the seed, and you don't wait for God to develop you, but we begin to complain. Well, the enemy tempted me to sow into his kingdom by complaining. Now it just cut off everything. It just cut off everything. Because complaining invites what? The destroyer in your life. God wants to replenish health. He wants to replenish finances. He wants to replenish family and relationships this year. And it's going to be coming from the seed that you sow. Seeds leave your hands. Seeds leave your mouth. I'd make sure they're both in harmony with one another. So he said, sow the seed of his promise in the soil of your need. Second Samuel 24, 24 says, I will not give offerings. This is where David says, I will not give offering to the Lord that which has not cost me nothing. See, David had sinned, and as a result, a plague came in on the people. How much is that happening today in the churches? When the leaders are sinning and know it, and a plague's coming on the people. So it says in this verse, the Lord told David to build an altar on the threshing floor of Arana. Arana tried to give David everything to, to make the sacrifice to the Lord. But David said, refused it, and said, I am not going to sacrifice anything unless it cost me, not you. How many of y'all have ever sacrificed something to the Lord where it just hurt? And you know it's going to hurt before you do it. The Lord said the very heart of seed faith is that, is, is that unless you experience some sacrifice, you have not given. I just know I have to be sensitive to that because when the Lord begins to bless you financially, it's so easy to give out of convenience and not out of real need, real sacrifice. Unless 
Giving costs you something, something that represents a portion of your very life. Harry gave away a portion of his life a few months ago that he needed. But he's in time right now. God is building character. Not saying that Carrie doesn't have character. We all have to grow at a certain level of character in him to be able to receive what he's got coming to us. So our giving to the Lord must bear three qualities, and this won't be on the screen. It's got to bear these three qualities. One, it should be our best. When we give our best, God gives his best. It should be our best. Number two, we should give to God first. The very first thought in our minds after we receive something should be, how can I give God his portion? Everything that you receive, a portion of what you receive is God's. Number three, our giving should be generous. Freely from our heart and without expecting anything back from God. Anything back from God. Matthew 17, 20. He says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Now, can you imagine when you plant a seed of a plant, a tender plant begins to come out of that earth and it's moving the earth. But that plant is so tender. When that plant begins to move the earth, since you came from the earth, things are going to be moving in around your life. Sometimes God will release people that's in our life before he brings that blessing to your life. Have you got thieves around you? There's always going to be a thief around you. They're either going to be stealing, stealing time or love or money. But that's the three areas we sow in. Time, love, and money. Faith in God is like a seed. That is like a seed. When you have faith in God, he said when we put our faith into action, it takes on the nature of miracle of a miracle in the making. I was teaching the guys next door. We were talking about faith has action. And faith gives answers. But not all answers. What gives all answers is Enduring faith. Because the difference between faith and enduring faith is that enduring faith is building character. That's why it gives, it gives you the answers of everything because your character's there. So you got to think about what is your mountain? What is your mountain that you're dealing with? Is it loneliness? Is it loss of a job? Is it a wounded relationship? 
Is it trouble in your home? Sickness, pain? We're dealing with something. Everybody is dealing with something. All the time. So be encouraged. Jesus said the way to see the mountain removed is first, you have to have a measure of faith. Second, God says his faith comes alive by hearing the word of God. Didn't say your faith comes alive. It's his faith that comes alive. And third, we can apply our faith to see our needs met. So speak to your mountain. I like what Todd was, his testimony was awesome because I was teaching in sonship that when you're in the church age, you pray a lot. But when you come over to a kingdom mindset, you're declaring more than you're praying. So Todd just spoke it. That really wasn't a prayer. He, he was just saying it. He was declaring it. And it began to move in her life. So financial obstacles tempt us to give up. I mean, you've had a financial obstacle where you just want to just want to give up. You sowed and you sowed and you sowed, and then this obstacle comes, and this obstacle is requiring more money to be sowed, but not to God. Amen. You're not going to hear this, but God said instead of, he said instead of giving it away, he said, but instead God's word calls us to give away, not give up. So you have something in your hands that you can give God before you give to that circumstance. God always equips you for the blessing. You already have it. So true ministry. And there's a lot of ministers in here. The true ministry always involves coming to terms with our own human tendency of clutching things to ourselves. Have you ever feel that, felt that before? That, that clutch where you just don't want to let go of something? And you know you're supposed to. And you're, you're, you're fighting with God on the inside. There's going to be some of you fighting with God tonight. But, you know, you won't win. So, you know, we might as well surrender. I fought with God a long time and realized I'll never win this one. The pathway to blessings often calls on us to give when we ourselves may be in need. The pathway to blessings often calls us to give when we ourselves may be in need. This seems counterproductive, doesn't it? But giving out of our own need is God's way of clearing the avenues for heaven's abounding towards us and in his ministry. So the seed principle works. The ground can only give to you what you have given to the ground. The ground can only give to you what you have given to the ground. Now, many people, many people want something for nothing. I don't know how many Christians come to me because the Lord, they know the Lord has blessed me, and they come into my office and say, thus saith the Lord, 
The Lord said you're supposed to buy my tires for my car. Now, you know, if they had sowed for the tires, they would not have to come to me. I would be going to them. <laughs> Amen. God would provoke me to be a blessing to someone when they're sowing. It's not going to come from the devil. It's going to come from a Christian that God has given the gift of giving. Because not everybody has the gift of giving. It's just a stronger grace on that gift than most Christians. So they know that it doesn't work that way in the world system. We know it doesn't work in the world system. We're not of this world system. But we know it does work in the world system. When you put money in the bank, it draws interest. How much is it drawing now? 1%? Zero. Zero percent? Yet, yet they always expect God to send them something when they have not invested into the kingdom. I said in sonship, God will provide all your needs. But what you want, you have to go after. So how can I get something when I haven't planted the seed for it? And listen, we sow money, but we not only reap money back, we reap an increase of the fruits of his righteousness. It actually increases in you when you sow into the kingdom. So God expects us to sow what? Time, love, and money. That was a revelation to me. It just came out of me when I was teaching about a year or so ago. He said you got to sow in three ways. Time, love, and money. So when we sow time, we are sowing our gift. The gift of evangelism. The gift of teaching. We are sowing our gift. When we sow love, we're sowing our affection. When we sow money, we're helping. God needs our help. He needs our help. So how can we expect God to honor our desire when we have not honored his command to give? And I've, I've been in a lot of churches, been on the financial board of the churches, and you see the giving record, and it's less than 10% is supporting that church. So 90% of church people are cursed. That's sad. 90% of church people are cursed because they don't know how giving works. I'm going to show you the order tonight. Abundance begins with investment, period. You've got to invest. But there's a divine order in kingdom investment. And I'm going to give you that, that message now. That was just a little intro. So how many of you said, I've been giving, I've been giving, I've been giving? But it doesn't seem like I'm getting blessed. I've been there. I've been there. 
Wondering why it's not coming back. But now I understand that just because I sowed doesn't mean I'm ready to receive. I told the guys next door when we were had our, our study, I said, man, you guys need to live in that Bible. How many times do you go to the Bible and read it? How much time do you spend in the Bible to read it? That's the only way that you're going to hear God's voice. Is through his word. Why am, not, why am I not experiencing financial breakthrough, debt cancellation, overflow of finances so I can be a blessing? What am I doing wrong? Because you know, God hadn't done anything wrong. It's all on our side of the table. So if you find yourself, if you find your answer, you may know the answer. In other words, if you're reading and studying your Bible, you'll find the answer. But if you're not reading and studying your Bible, then I'll give you the answer tonight. And then you can hold on to it because it will work. So here it is on the screen, giving that works. Four consecutive types of giving that works. Number one, the tithe and the offering. This is the order of God. And consecutive means following one after the other in a series without interception. Now, you know the devil wants to intercept everything. But this is how you do it. You follow one after the other in a series without interception. The tithe and the offering. Second, first fruit offering. And third, almsgiving. And fourth, seed giving. I'm going to explain these as we go. So each one, each one of these have the word of God backing them up. The word backs up every one of them. They work in synergy. I say they work in synergy with the Trinity. In Psalm 107.20, I love Psalm 107.20. It says, I sent my word and I healed you. And I delivered you from destruction. Now, healed on the screen means to become healthy or well again. Healed means, we forget what healed means. It means to become healthy or well again. The word restore, the word restores you back to health. So the whole time you're reading your word, you're being restored back to health. And it says uh, it delivers you from destruction, even while you're reading the word. That deception caused, or lack of knowledge caused, or error caused. But let's look at what destruction means. Something that no longer exists or is beyond repair. How many times the devil told you that this is beyond repair? This will never work. You're done. I've been there. So the word of God heals and restores. A lot of marriages would be a lot better off if the couples were reading their Bible because it heals that marriage and it restores that marriage. So you can put, put it this way. The spirit is connected to the tithe. The soul is connected to first fruits. And the body is connected to the alms. 
You see it? And you'll, you'll understand it as I go along. So there are two things that bring success in your giving. These things have to be in place. These two things have to be in place. And it's called the word motivates and the principle gives momentum. So these two things are motivation and momentum. Motivation and momentum. You can be motivated, but if you lose your momentum, you've lost your motivation. Each one of these, the tithe, the first fruit, the alms, and the seed, has a motivation. And you have to know these motivations. I'm going to give them to you. So motivation plus momentum equals success in receiving from the Lord. Let's look at Malachi 3.10. We all know this. This is Message Bible. Bring your full tithe to the temple of the treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open the windows of heaven, open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. When I first got born again, it took me a few months to start tithing because I didn't understand it. But once I started tithing, man, the Lord started blessing every area of life. How many of you have all experienced that? Y'all know you have all experienced that. But Malachi, let's look at this, the Spirit Life Filled Version, Malachi 3.10. But bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me in this now, says the Lord, if I will not open up you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Now, some versions say that there may be meat in my house. Meat is what? Revelation. So there's too many vegetarian churches around right now. We need revelation. Too many vegetarian churches. The tithe reveals God. God revealed himself in such a supernatural way to me when I started doing the tithes and the offerings. It opens up heaven over your life. So every Christian that gives tithes and offerings already have an open heaven over their life. But most Christians, their closed heaven is between their ears. And what closes that off is the spots. Those spots that we're dealing with close it off. Because when we have a spot, unforgiveness, shame, or rejection in the soul, then that spot is connected to the second heaven. And it closes up the third heaven where it does have it has no access to you. So you can tithe and you won't experience the open heaven if you have a spot of unforgiveness or shame and rejection. It won't work. So there can be a lot of revelation in a house like this. There's a lot of revelation here. But not everybody receives it or can receive it because they don't have the giving part down yet it's closed so remember what are the two things remember motivation first and momentum so what what motivates what is the motivation for the tithe obedience 
It's a command. Obedience. And everybody always wants to know what's the tithe based on the net, the gross, or somewhere in between. Or can I pay a, a part of the tithe and pay the next, next week? You hear all kinds of things. It's the gross. You pay taxes on the gross, right? So you have got his portion on the gross. It reveals God. The tithe is motivated by obedience. Now, motivation of paying to paying the tithe connects you to the divine blessing. That means when you pay a tithe, you're connected to the third heaven. Hold that up right there so they can see it. You're connected to the third heaven, but there's seven levels in that within that third heaven. So when you're paying your tithe, if you don't have reckon, if you don't have relationships right, which is their second level, the tithe's not going to go any further than that relationship. Each level is biblical. And it has a reason for each level. The first level is a renewed work. That's your born-again work. Reconciled relationships is your second level. Third level is supernatural provision. The fourth level is the Father and the Son have finally made a home in you. They just don't visit anymore. And then the next level, commanded blessing. You're walking in a lifestyle where God is commanding the blessing on you. And then the seventh level is the good treasure. The open heavens are always open now for revelation, for anointing to flow in your life. Thank you, Daniel. So the tithe is the way for recession and depression to bypass you. The tithe is a way for recession and depression to just bypass you. Why? Because you live under an open heaven. The tithe holds God to his promise to, to, to rebuke the devourer. You won't even know that the devourer has been rebuked because God's doing it before it gets to you. But if you haven't paid tithes, then you've got some destruction in your life. It could be in relationships, not always finances. The enemy's coming to every area of your life. The marriage, the relationships, uh, family, finances. It's just wide open when you're not paying your tithes. Recession bypasses you. Recession didn't affect us around here. God just gave us another avenue to flow in. Because he's always flowing somewhere. Nobody can stop God from flowing to be a blessing to you. But God blesses the 90% instead of the 100% being cursed. And God doesn't curse it. We are cursed by sowing in to the law of sin and death. That's the curse. So the word motivates. The, the principle provides momentum. 
to bring everything to pass that you'd sowed into. So remember, the tithe is first. I see people giving all that. I, want, I don't want to get ahead of my message. The tithe is always first. Always first. When you're not paying your tithe, you feel like you're swimming upstream, trying to get things, trying to get ahead of the game. Then all of a sudden, Satan comes in and wipes you out and sets you back about five years financially because there was no protection. Number two, the first fruit offering. The first fruit offering is motivated by generosity. Generosity. So it's not motivated by obedience. It's motivated by generosity back to God. So the tithe is motivated by obedience. First fruits is motivated by generosity. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. Now we tithe off of our paychecks, right? But what if you got a bonus from God? What if you get your employer gave you a bonus? Most people don't tithe on the bonus. They figure they've done enough with just the, the paycheck. Or they might get a, a, a cash blessing from someone. And if you pay tithe on that, and didn't pay your taxes on it, the tithe's no good. God didn't say to pay the tithe first. He said to pay what? Caesar first. Render to Caesar what's Caesar's. And then to God what's God's. So when we honor, we are putting God first. Anytime you put someone first, you're honoring them. And in marriages, we should be doing that. We should put each other first. And we honor each other by doing that. But look what it says in this verse. When we put God first, we honor him, giving him access to our things and our increase. And then he begins to fill your bank accounts. That's what storehouses mean. And the soul overflows with what? New, new wine. We've been trying to get new wine in the souls of the people around here, and it's hell sometimes to get that new wine in the soul because that old wine skin has got to be tore up. That new wine skin has to be formed through revelation so that it can hold the new wine, the apostolic, the new wine. The apostolic spirit, the new wine coming forth into the soul. First fruit shows God our gratitude for the extra blessings. How many of you got extra blessings from God? Kathy just got an extra blessing from God. Our first fruits show God our gratitude for the extra blessings of God. So first fruits show God you're not in love with money. In other words, it's showing God that your money is not your security. 
And really, that's when you really enter into perfect peace, when you realize your money is not your security. And when you get to that point, that's when God can trust you with more. He'll trust you with more. See, we counteract the things of God when we don't give the tithe and the offering and the first fruits. Counteract means that I'm acting against God and what he's trying to get to me. We're counteracting the flow of God by getting the order off of its order. So I'll give you some examples of first fruit. Offering. When I say first fruit, it's the month of January is the first month or the first quarter of the year. So Zenny, when she gets the first tax return, she sows that first tax return. Real estate, we get a real estate deal, we should be sowing the first real estate commission. I knew a lot of developers when they were developing years ago, they would sow the first lot that they sold. Because listen, when you put God first like that, everything the rest of the year comes in order. It comes in a divine order. So the end of the year won't be like the first of the year. It's an expression of gratitude to God that he gave me a job. And you might be saying, well, if I give you my paycheck, first paycheck, I won't be able to make my rent by the end of the month. You're not making the rent anyway. He's making it. But when we don't trust him, he backs off so that you can try to make it. Try to make it. You'll never make it if God's not with you. There are 31 references to first fruit just in the New Testament. I'm, I'm teaching you tonight. I'm showing you how to get this order right. Because I've asked the Lord, you know, why aren't people Christians? Why aren't they blessed like you blessed me? And he said, you got the order right. Which I didn't even know what the order was. I had no idea what the order was. When he gave me this order, I looked back over the years, and this is something I've been doing for 20 years. But when you live in that book, the order comes, and you won't even know it's coming. That book forms your life. To get in the divine order of God. So that single river can flow down to you. Instead of bouncing off of you and going to somebody else. Here's one of them. Romans eleven sixteen. Now if the first handful of dough offered as the first fruits is consecrated holy. So is the whole mass. And if the root is consecrated holy, so are the branches. So he's saying if you give God the first part, so on this first quarter, we missed January, the first quarter, then the whole year is going to be holy and blessed. And the Lord told me, if you obey tonight, the end of this year won't be like the beginning of this year. He wants us to get it right. The first fruit redeems the rest 
as holy, set apart for God and for you as his set apart ones. If we give in the first month of the first quarter, the whole year comes into a divine flow from God. The whole year is set. Wouldn't that be awesome just to relax in him? The greatest compliment you can give God is to be at rest. To be at perfect peace is the greatest compliment you can give him when it comes to people. When they see the peace of God on you, they're going to want it. So the first fruit actually puts insurance on your money. If we sow the first month, the end of the year has to change. For the first quarter, the end of the year has to change. And it's not up to you. Once it leaves your hands, God does a better job of making things happen than we do. It opens up streams of income. There's avenues of income that can come into your life that you never knew. It opens up crazy favor. Crazy favor. Crazy favor is what? Out of the ordinary favor. I don't want to be just an ordinary Christian. I don't want to be a radical crazy for God. Stupid, hungry for God. Christian. Stupid hungry. We were talking in Sonship uh, about how Paul was working nets and people were coming up getting his old nasty handkerchief that he blew his nose with to go cast out demons from people. Now Paul was just working. And people were taking stuff off of him, his apron, his, and taking him to the sick. Man, that should provoke us all to jealousy. That should make us stupid hungry for God. So the first fruit sets you up to receive what's hidden. Remember Isaiah said the treasures and hidden treasures in, in darkness? Every treasure is hidden in darkness somewhere. That means it's out of your sight. But the first fruit, this is the only thing that connects the hidden treasure is the first fruit. The for, it's when the former and the latter come together and you really have a kingdom experience when the former and the latter reign come together. You have a kingdom experience. And that's what we want more of is a kingdom experience. And listen, I don't know about you. Some of you might like this, but I hate to be second. If you like to be second, then something's wrong with you. Because you came from God and he hates to be second. He hates to be second. He put it in us to be first place in everything. So when you put him first, he'll keep you first in line. He'll keep you in first place when you put him first in everything that you do. Exodus 13, 1 and 2 um, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever op opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast. So it tells you how important first fruit is that every firstborn child 
of a family is God's. And we wonder why we went through so much hell and my siblings didn't. Every firstborn is set aside for God. But when you get born again, you're still set aside for God. But the firstborn, there's a stronger calling on him. So when we put God second, listen to this. When we put God second, the brook dries up. The water ceases. Man, that's a scary feeling. If we put him first, he's going to put us first. Now look at Psalm 138 too. It says, I will worship you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above your name. Isn't that amazing? He's magnified his word above his name. Put God first in the morning with praise and worship. Put the instruction of his word first in the morning after your praise and worship. I love that verse that says the last shall be first. We are the last. Psalm 35, 27. This is one of my favorite ones. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually. He didn't say pray continually. He said, say continually that the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Man, I messed up, up some religious devils by putting that scripture on them. When they say you're supposed to be poor to be holy. I said, I was poor when I was lost and I sure wasn't holy. I was far from holy. What's his righteous cause? Let them shout for joy who favor my righteous cause. What's his righteous cause? Souls. Getting souls into the kingdom. Getting souls into the kingdom. Winning the lost for the kingdom of God. And then he puts you into prosperity. People thought I was crazy after I got born again. Because I was winning souls. I had my boom box. I'd carry it around to people's houses and make them worship so they can get healed. So the Lord was teaching me worship all those years. God's priority is his word, his kingdom, and your prosperity. Now that's a kingdom mindset. His word, his kingdom, and your prosperity. I'm telling you, it's a blessing to not be able to struggle in finances. I'm giving you the order tonight that will break that struggle off of you. So the tithe is first. The first fruits is second. And the third thing is alms. Alms. Now alms, now the, now the tithe is motivated by what? Obedience. The first fruit is motivated by generosity. So now the, the alms is motivated by compassion. Compassion. 
Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from the Father in heaven. So you got to give in secret. And God rewards you openly. Publicly, he's going to reward you. So don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It's hard to applaud yourself with one hand. That's why I said don't let the right one know what it's doing because you can't applaud yourself with one hand. It's hard to do it. Why does God want alms given in secret? Let's look on the screen. Alms are given in secrecy to protect man's dignity in the crisis. God wants to protect man's dignity. If a man loses his dignity, he's, he's wasted. He's gone. Alms are given in secrecy to protect man's dignity, dignity, dignity in a crisis, in his crisis. I've helped so many people in secret that nobody knows about because of that right there. I wanted his dignity to be protected. Most ministries raise money off of alms to give to missions. That's totally not biblical. It's all on the screen. We need to raise money for missions. People in crisis. People that need something. Nobody should know to protect the dignity of the people. Proverbs 19.17 He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. So God reimburses what you give. You don't get ahead this way. This is something you're doing for the Lord. You're helping somebody in crisis to protect his dignity in secret because you're lending it to the Lord. So don't use alms for your tithe. I don't know how many people. In my church history. That people. Use their tithe. For alms. Because they don't like the pastor. Or, or they think the church is misusing the money. I've given several hundred thousand dollars to one church. And the church fell apart. And I asked the Lord. Why did this happen? Was this not good ground? He said it was good ground. He said wherever my bride is. There's good ground. She is the good ground. But there was sin. In the leadership. He said Gene whenever money leaves your hands. It's for a blessing. Or judgment. Well that settled it with me. When he told me that. Because I didn't feel so bad. That the money actually helped the people. Because you know a lot of these churches were in that prosperity move. And didn't know him. The devil can prosper you. If you don't think he can. Then the word says. The sinner is storing up the wealth. To give it over to the righteous. 
man, if, if some of these entrepreneurs would just read that verse, and they're making millions of dollars, and then they lose it when the economy drops, and then they got to start all over again. Where did that money go to? It went into, into the hands of God's people. This has been a big mistake in the church, using alms for tithe, because you change the rate of exchange by changing God's order of exchange. We change the rate of exchange by changing God's order of exchange. You can't use the tithe or the first fruits for alms. Or we counteract what God is trying to do in our life. And we wonder why the God is not rebuking the devourer. If one of these things are out of order, it brings disorder into everything. You don't get the full impact of what God wants to bring to you. You might just get a residue or a drop of the real abundance that he wants to give to you because you got the order right. But if you get the order wrong, then you're not going to get the full measure that was supposed to come to you. So I'm answering why giving is not working for some. Because you gave 10%, but you made it alms. You counteracted the flow of the Spirit. Now God can't stop a recession from coming into your life. He can't stop depression from coming into your life. Well, how's money affected, associated with my depression? Money is associated to everything. Money is connected to every area of your life. Alms. You lend to the Lord. He repays. Number four. You have the tithe, which is motivated by what? Obedience. First fruits motivated by? Alms is made motivated by? And now we have the fourth is the seed. And the seed is where the overflow, this is where your abundance is going to come in, is in seed. So the seed is motivated by? Faith and reward. Look at Matthew 13, 23. The seed cast on good ground, good earth, which is my soul, is the soul that hears the word and takes it in. And then he produces the harvest beyond his wildest dreams. We should sow every time we hear the word. Every time that word sticks to you, we have soul shifters, we have spots class, we have all these different ministries that everybody should be sowing in. And it doesn't matter, just have a handful of coins in your pocket. Sow something. God just wants the obedience. He doesn't want the amount. He just wants the obedience. So if something's stuck with you, in any of these ministries, you should sow into that word. That's how the kingdom works. It's hard to become that word if you hadn't sowed into it. You can meditate on it for two years and not become that word. 
because money is connected to everything concerning the kingdom of God. But it says some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. 30, 60, 100 fold. It's, it's measured according to our maturity. So the 30 fold is little. The 60 fold is measured. You know, when you're in the teenagehood, you don't give a teenager everything. You measure out to a teenager. Amen? So that teenagehood, that second row, is where the 60-fold is, and it's measured. But the third row is where the abundance is, and that's sonship. When a son is like his father, the father can trust the son with abundance. So now we, we understand when we sow a seed that we don't get a hundredfold return. We believe for a hundredfold return, but my God, if God gave us a hundredfold return, it would destroy us. It would take us so far away from God, it would destroy us. God gives the return according to the stature of Christ that you're in, the level of maturity that you're in. He gives the return. God can, God can only trust babies with a little bit. Now listen, if you sowed $1,000 and you're still a little baby and you get $100 back, it doesn't mean that you'll never get the 900 back or whatever. So you sowed $100 and you wanted 100 fold. Everybody wants 100 fold. So that's $1,000 back. Is that right? 10000 So if I sold $100 as a son, God says my return is going to be 10000 But we're lucky to see 50 back or 300 back. But whatever we get back and receive with thanksgiving, it keeps the 70% still in my life but I hadn't received it yet God's just waiting on me to grow up a little bit and he's going to release a little more he's going to get to that hundredfold does that make sense maturity God's looking for maturity but a son he can entrust with abundance now sowing and giving works according to God's order and instruction if you'll follow this order tonight and keep this on your mind that the tithe has to go first. The tithe is 10%. The offering is free will. Whatever you want to give God beyond the tithe is up to you. Because the offering is doing nothing but saying thank you for what you've done for me. The first fruit offering. You've got, we've got February and March to get our first fruit offering together. And you got to discern what is going to be the first fruit. If you're in business, it's going to be your first sale. If you're working paycheck to paycheck, it's going to be your paycheck. But don't let fear grip you. Know that God backs up his word. 
he backs it up because he magnifies it above his name. And he also watches over it to make sure it performs. Isn't that beautiful? So you get the Lord's attention and you start doing things that's backed up by his word. A force from heaven comes down. So remember the two things that bring success of the word. Motivation and momentum. I gave you what motivates all four of these. And the momentum is what you see. I love this. I gave this to some of our sons in our conference room and asked them to come up with something. The Lord gave me the quiet move, the opening move, the counter move, and the forcing move. So I challenged them. I said, I want you to study this out and see what it means. So the quiet move is the tithe because it's a command. The opening move is the first fruit. It's an opening move. The counter move is the almsgiving. When you bless someone that's in need and nobody else knows about it, that's a counter move. You're counteracting something in their life. And then the forcing move is the seed giving. That's the one that forces God's hand to bring abundance in your life. In the seed giving, you have to be led by the Spirit in seed giving. So the tithe is an internal movement. The first fruit is an external movement. The almsgiving is an external movement of compassion. And the seed giving is an external move of God. It's an external move of God. One move sets up for the, it sounds like a chess game, doesn't it? Put that one thing back up, for time, please. First quarter. Be the end of January, end of March. That's your first quarter for this year. That's how the Lord blessed me. Because I had this order right and didn't even know it. Because I spent time in the Word. And the Spirit led me to do it this way. So I'm going to give everybody a chance to give tonight. Because the Lord said there's going to be supernatural movements when you sow into this word tonight.